0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of 10 Things I Hate About You. I know if you're following along, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was done with these two. They said that the episode that we just heard a week ago was the final episode, 10 Things uh, I Hate About You, was done with There's Something About Mary. But no, we're back with another a bonus, an Arvidus and Dematis Sabonis episode. That's what you're getting <laughs> right now. Brian is laughing at that joke because we both love the Sabonis family. Brian, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm good, and it is a pleasure to do this episode because uh, we had this idea together, right, where we were, the whole the whole point of this podcast is to sort of, uh, you know, in their mid-30s heterosexual guys breaking mm-hmm. down rom-coms felt like a funny thing to do, right? And uh, then we realized as we got a little further into it, and some of our female friends would reach out to us if they had listened to it, they were like, "Hey, you completely missed." And then they would list like ten to fifteen things <laughs> that we missed, uh, and or even if we didn't miss it, we didn't highlight it enough, or yeah, did you not feedback. exactly? Yeah, and 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 some of it was really fascinating, and so we were just like, "Let's let's do an episode uh, where we get uh, a couple of our friends on here to sort of uh, tell us what we did wrong and." Uh, rip us apart, and so that's what this episode is. This episode uh, features uh, two of my pals from college, uh, and you, and you have met them, I believe, um, at mm-hmm. probably a party or something of mine. Uh, Michelle Cohen and uh, Casey Murphy. They have their own podcast, I should say. It's probably about time to plug that. Um, mm-hmm. The name of it escapes me. I'll look it up in a second. I th- um, what the <laughs> hell is the name of? Oh, it's called. It's called. Well- <laughs> It's called The Casey and Michelle Show. That's right. Um, Yeah, I had it written down here somewhere. So yeah, it's called The Casey and Michelle Show. But all seriousness, uh, they're pop culture enthusiasts, and this podcast that they do um, is basically just catching you up on the week or week and a half, uh, whenever they had recently done one, of the world of pop culture. And I can say this not just as a friend of theirs. uh, As someone who knows nothing about podcasts, excuse me, about pop culture, it's Good. And I'm actually tuning into like future episodes to find out the update on certain stories. Like, oh, really? What happened to his baby daddy or something like that? So, uh, yeah, I find. Yeah, it's good. And uh, they do things like the breakup of the week. It's it's funny. Um, And if you wind up listening to any more of this and you think they're funny, which I think you'll be able to ascertain pretty quickly, you should definitely check them out uh, wherever podcasts are found. So, Brian, uh, any
1: uh, any thoughts before we get into this? Yeah, I'm really excited to do this. Uh, like you said, uh, we got some feedback and, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of, like, very interesting points that, like, obviously, like, two two guys from our perspectives would not have come come up with on our own. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what they have to say about our takes and what we may have missed and, yeah.
0: And, yeah, and they absolutely will not hold back on us. <laughs> that is for sure. No. So, um, all right, yeah, without further ado, here are Casey and Michelle. And Brian and I talking about Can't Hardly Wait. So, yeah, so we did this one a few weeks ago, but uh, ever since I mentioned it to you guys, uh, the hate was intense and and, and and real right away for Brian. And, of course, I'm talking about Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, I mean, I'll just, I, I mean, obviously I want to hear your takes in general, but I will defer some time right at the right at the top here just so that you can get in officially what it is yeah go ahead i mean please take it from here what What do you have to say to brian
2: um brian i apologize this is our first time ever meeting each other but um you can go fuck yourself <laughs> that's where i came out after listening to that episode my,
3: my big call out was who paid you to destroy this movie because it just really felt like you were grasping at straws for any reason to say this movie sucks. When in reality, to Scott's point, it seems like you really did like the movie throughout your review, but for some reason at the end, you still established that you didn't like this movie.
1: Brian, go
3: ahead. (laughs) Well, I feel
1: like maybe I need to uh, listen to our own podcast. (laughs) But I feel like, I feel like I established that it was, a movie that I enjoyed for the better part of my life. It's and for some reason on the rewatch, I just like it didn't connect with me the same way that it used to. I don't know. I I, I admit that it makes me feel like a and like like an old fogey, like a absolute curmudgeon to say that. But it was just one of those. Or like revisiting it wasn't as in, in, enjoyable as I thought it would be.
3: Well, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't seen the movie in a while and I always did love it, but I was curious if I was going to be as um, hateful or as critical, you know, watching it again, especially today. And and I actually felt like it still pretty much held up. Um, There was very few things I found, like, problematic for something that in theory was, you know filmed in the 90s where a lot of things in theory were problematic. So I was actually surprised that I didn't agree with you on that because yeah, you could easily see something 20 years later and have a totally different view.
2: And I would like to preface this so you have a little background about where I'm coming from. (laughs) I was obsessed with this film when it came out. Jerry O'Connell and Seth Green became my passwords to everything I (laughs) think
3: I hope not, still, because then you may <laughs> have to use them before we actually send this out. No, no, no. Yeah. No, to be I,
0: clear, to be clear, we are recording right now. This yeah. is going. This is it. You're on the podcast now. So, for anybody that wants to get into Casey Murphy's accounts, Trip McNeely four five six seven is the exactly. password for everything.
2: <laughs> I Have fun with the extra two hundred dollars that I have. Like, go ham, guys. Go ham. But there, I mean. I, when I also same with Michelle, I did, I have not watched this in a while. And I remember when it came back on Netflix and I was like, Oh, I definitely need to recheck that out and remember, like, see if it still holds up when it started. I immediately from the get could remember every single line verbatim and talked aloud to the television. Like it was a genuine conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I would say, uh, It's clear uh, the distaste for Brian's take here. Um, And as is evidenced by the greeting you gave him, we know that you're not a fan of his work. Uh, In that episode, Uh, let's let's transition a little bit, if we can, uh, to some of the things that we may have missed. I think that is where I'm and I think I can speak for Brian here that I'm I'm, we're both uh, curious to see. There isn't a person on Earth that wants to tell me things I'm wrong about more than Michelle Cohen. Uh, So right from there, I'm interested to hear what she has to say. But also, I just uh, part of the reason we're doing this right is, uh, you know, two guys discussing rom-coms sort of missing the other element of it. So uh, either one of uh, you ladies wants to start first. Let's hear it. What do you got?
2: You want to take it away,
3: Michelle? Sure. So um, I just wanted to kind of expand on a few things that you did miss and kind of find the holes within some of the stuff you talked about because even from, as Casey just mentioned, from the get-go of this movie, you have me sold. I mean, <laughs> I know you guys talked a little bit about the, you know, title cards with the yearbook piece. Oh. Scott liked it, and it sounded like Brian didn't like it. I wish there were more of them. I kind of wish even the side characters got them, because the way I see this movie, yes, it's a big party night, you know, the epitome of a high school party, the last day of school, graduation, what have you. But I actually feel like the movie is almost an interactive yearbook, because you start off kind of getting a sense of who these characters are. You have Melissa Joan Hart, who is literally carrying the yearbook around to get everyone to sign it. Um, you're learning every, you know, everyone's activities. I think that part's great. The quotes people have, that gives you a little bit more of who these people are. Um, and then you also end the movie with the, where are they now? Almost teasing it like you're going to have a reunion. And I know the two of you kind of discussed it, but like that reunion could easily get picked up from the end of the movie where you're finding out where everyone ends up and almost like a Romeo and Michelle where you have the exact same movie 20 years later and the interactions of that party that night. Like to me, it just felt like an interactive yearbook, which as someone who was on yearbook committee in high school, I loved it.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I never thought about the interactive uh, yearbook concept. Casey? This
3: is why,
2: yeah, this is why Michelle and I are best friends. because i have the exact same thing written down it is i'll give brian this bone it is a lazy screenwriting trick to do something like this but to michelle's point if you guys don't remember the culmination like of this film is the payoff of melissa joan hart's character having a yearbook because that's how jennifer love hewitt figures out who Ethan mm-hmm. Every is. Yeah. Okay. I buried the lead there, thank you, Casey. Not what? to mention the shade on those cards of like where they're going to college is like, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> perfect.
3: <laughs> or undecided. I'm oh, sorry, you go, what? I was just like, or people are undecided, like Denise's character.
2: Yeah, for uh, sure, yeah.
3: No, no, no.
2: no. Flip that. Denise is going to NYU. Jennifer Love Hewitt's character is undecided. So yeah. that Aaron gives you a hey, what's going on with this girl? What's he- She's a little lost. I'm intrigued by this because she's the pretty one. So she shouldn't really be confused about life at all, right? Isn't that what society teaches us? Sure. Including <laughs> people
0: have it made in the shade. Brian, uh you care to respond to that first one?
1: Yeah, I uh that's actually a really good point, uh, Michelle. Um I actually really like that phrasing, interactive yearbook. Um yeah, like that like I actually I think I totally see where you're coming from, and I agree, like that is like a really interesting way to look at this movie. I I wish that I had that same uh perspective while uh while rewatching it. I guess. I guess my thing was sort of like, because yeah, I agree. I like. I like the structure of that, right? Like what you're describing, the interactive yearbook, and yes, I, and that's um, Casey brings up a really good point that it does pay off from a plot perspective uh, eventually. So it does tie in. So yeah, um, I guess like part of you know the struggle for me was that I didn't particularly like the. People that they were highlighting in the yearbook. Right. I think because I think in the podcast we talked about or or in the original episode, like Sky and I were sort of in agreement that our favorite aspect of the movie was the Lauren Ambrose, Seth Green sort of subplot. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if I had spent like, yeah, like the interactive yearbook sort of thing with just them, I think I would have liked this movie a lot more because ultimately, like, they were my favorite characters. So, yeah. All
0: right. What do you have for us that we really whiffed on? There's got to be something I know on that list. I mean, Michelle said she had three pages. What, what, give me, give me something that is, you know, how did you boys miss this, this badly?
2: I have a like a big picture moment of,
0: yeah, yeah, please. And, and, and if there's a couple, I'm not, it doesn't have to just be one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm going to bring in twofold. I'm going to, I'm going to start with like the sleeper that we can come back to because it's like not as broad. But um, I feel like it wasn't really touched upon, like, this is, from what I remember, I mean, this is definitely one of the first movies that I, I like came of age with and was like, oh, okay, this is a teenager film. I'm a teenager. Like, I'm on board here. But you have a platonic best friendship with Mm. no sexual tension, which is really refreshing. And I don't think you see it ever again.
0: Is, does, that well, exi- does that exist in reality, though? I'm not sure that's a real thing. That was...
2: <laughs> My entire life, Scott. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. <laughs> but if it didn't, we wouldn't be here today, all right? No, I would that's f-
3: <laughs> part, of, part of the reason it's platonic is that they already dated. I think that's... Part of why the sexual tension is gone, they say at one point in the movie, like I can't believe we dated.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's I think a good that's
3: point. It. They so, don't bring it in; we don't see any of it. But we don't see the tension. They'd mention it in passing, but I agree with you. You do see, oh, I can have a best friend and not have this lingering tension. Well, it also like was what was you know what was my life, and so I was like, all right, yeah, this this can be chill. I was
2: friends with a lot of guys growing up until we hit. Like sixth, seventh grade, when it become became like, are you supposed to have, guy like friends of the opposite sex and it is platonic, so I was like, I'm identifying immediately with Lauren Ambrose's character. So that was just one, that was one area that I just really appreciated about this movie that we don't see in other movies of this like time period or this genre. But also, big picture, this is a movie about fate, karma, and redemption. <laughs>
3: Um, Can I add to that? Because it's not only about that. It's about identity. Right. Because everyone's like, what am I? Who am I going to be post-college? Why was I with this guy for so long? It's about perception versus reality. People thinking that someone is popular and everything's great. But in reality, their life is shambles. Um, That also anything can happen in one night you have everyone's lives going upside down no matter what their stereotypical role was at school. I mean, just the William arc of being a nerd trying to get his own um, revenge on being picked on by Mike, then becoming this rock star because he gets wasted and is singing on stage, and then he becomes best friends with his enemy to the point where his own best friends think he's a jock, and then he's in jail. I mean, that in itself could be a movie. And then Mike bails him out, but Mike covers for him and takes the ultimate hit, and then pretends like he didn't do the nice thing Hold when on. they're at the Hold diner. On.
0: Hold on, let's be clear here. These things happened in the movie. We remember them happening. <laughs> you I didn't we're, bring
3: we're... like or a dislike. Yeah, well, we're what? limited
0: to we're limited to
3: five each. You're, I mean, he, the nerd should have been a top three of the okay. like. all right. I would say Seth Green's character and Williams' characters were my first like and second like.
0: Oh, okay, Brian. Uh, what say you? You're somebody who firmly does not believe in platonic fl- friendships. <laughs>
3: um,
0: that's one of his things. I don't want to put you on blast, but he hates that. I mean, he firm. He has a whole manifesto written about how we shouldn't really be. F- <laughs> uh, that shouldn't be a thing. But yeah, go ahead. Where, where, where do you stand on any of this?
1: Uh, I- well, I think I think so. I'm actually kind of angry at ourselves that we didn't bring up Casey's point about the Platonic best friends. Yeah, that's a
0: great point. That's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, that is a really good point because uh, because yeah because that is definitely something that like it stood out to me on the rewatch and obviously at the time too. I you know you definitely don't see that kind of stuff in 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 movies a lot, um, and I'm I can actually relate with Casey a lot too because i am somebody who uh who had a lot of uh and still do like my best friends are all girls right so or all women so yeah i, I could definitely relate to that and i'm kind of angry that we didn't bring that up in the, in that, realm, so.
3: that is that therefore is, keep you angry at yourself
1: <laughs> that is a fantastic
0: self-edit by brian that his friends are now women uh and not <laughs> girls um nope. yeah i i no that is a fantastic point i would uh i, I will also add that one thing i we didn't say at the time, but now that you're bringing it up, and it is a really smart thing to think about. I didn't. What I also loved about their relationship was that it felt very real, right? Like it didn't. Uh, they did. There was no hint of sexual chemistry, like you mentioned. But they also felt like the much like the Seth Green and um, Lauren Ambrose relationship as kids felt real. The the Ethan Embry and uh, Den- uh, Denise. We, I'm getting all the names confused, but you know what I mean. Yeah,
2: we're in- yeah. Denise Fleming. Yeah, yeah,
0: Denise Fleming and Ethan Embry's character—they felt like, hey, these are real friends. These are not just a man and a woman who are standing next to each other. Right. Yeah, right.
1: they have a shared history. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Any any anything else? You got anything else for us?
3: Uh, I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's
0: hear. Um, let's, let's hear. Our...
3: I guess to do another big picture one, and you kind of touched on it, but I think it's worth expanding on. Is I actually feel like this movie was very much. Ahead of its time, in a like it's very self-aware in its the way men were misogynistic back in the day. It's in the '90s, you see immediately after she breaks up, where after Amanda and Mike break up in front of everyone, you have the guys all lining up to try to hit on her. One of which is like staring her up and down. The high guy saying, "God, you're hot!" Like knowing that that's something a girl dealt dealt with all the time, not necessarily right after they broke up with someone. And how ridiculous that is um, and also just the fact that you watch that movie and yes you know you guys talked about the, 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 um, the people in it and where they went on but just the fact of how diverse the cast is like if you think about other movies in the 90s I think you have more stereotype uh, casting whereas here I mean, you have almost every ethnicity reflected and they're not in there. Okay, we're going to give the black guy an athletic character. I mean, there is a jock black guy, but there's also several other black guys in, uh, in the movie. Um, you know, you have characters that you don't necessarily see in other 90s movies during that time frame. So for me, I felt like it was the least problematic of some of the movies you've reviewed thus far. And for that reason, I liked it too, because I just felt like you could still watch this movie today. The only thing that you would probably have to fix is dubbing when they use the F word, insulting him. Compared to some of those other movies you guys have been reviewing, this one I would not be embarrassed to show someone compared to some of those other
0: ones. That's a very good point. Casey, what's your... your, uh... Let's. I mean, I'm, you're both going to get a chance for the final word here, but uh, as we get towards the end, uh, I want to give Casey one more big picture thing before we get to the final words.
2: Um I. Oh, oh! I just we're wrapping up so soon. I have three more pages. <laughs> <laughs> it. I think I am going with the self awareness as well. Brian was on the fence in the podcast as if the Seth Green and his characters were like if that was written to be really a reflection of what was going on or he was like that's not that deep and scott's argument was it is and my argument is also like it actually is that deep and that's where this this film gets a lot more, like stronger legs with it like there's actually different levels of self-awareness going on especially when those two loser friends go over to the black group and say, what up my, and and they're like, no, you're not part of this scenario. And like Scott was saying, that was definitely very prevalent where I grew up in an all white area. (laughs) Guys that were definitely doing that in the nineties. And yeah, there is the nineties contextualization of it with the fragility of the male ego is also another intense theme in this. Like they're trying to shame Mike Dexter by getting like weird images of him when like and also like the stuff that they throw on Mike Dexter and William is like a whole other 20 minute conversation.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he like a, snowco- like a snowball and put like taco meat in it? Or- <laughs> it's so bizarre but like the whole thing is about Mike Dexter's ego and that's what makes him an amazing villain in this and then he crumbles immediately when his friends are like Yeah, bro, I'm not with you on this. I'm going to stick with my girl this summer. And they just, they don't follow him. And then he's left with nothing. And he immediately breaks down after like two beers. Like he just becomes a shell of a human being. And it felt really (laughs) great to watch this character go to shit. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: mean, it's it's the David and Goliath. You have the nerd rising to the top at the same time that you have the jock falling apart. And I mean Jerry O'Connell, like trip. I was gonna say I don't think you guys I mean the Jerry O'Connell scene is probably the best scene of the movie. I mean, I learned to wear flip flops in a shower for college because of that scene. (laughs) When he's talking about all the warts he has, I'm like, whoa, note to self, bring those flip flops to Syracuse. See
0: that's if we've learned nothing, that right there, I mean That's it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But sprinkle in a little, I'm going to throw it out, a little Dickens because we're getting a ghost of future past coming in (laughs) in and (laughs) warning him about all the mistakes that he's made. And you have time to fix this, Mike Dexter. And he does redeem himself. But he's definitely not my favorite character. I mean, Seth Green, the fact that Seth Green was able to make this character likable. And the fact that Sethine gets a sex scene in it, because honestly, they would not throw him that bone these days. Like, if you rewatch that, I don't think you guys realize how tiny his little white arms are. <laughs> like, oh, no one these you In order to have a sex scene these days, you're a Hemsworth. Like, you ha- your arms are the size of your fucking head. <laughs> it's true. And Sethine <laughs> becomes, a, a, like, a, a sexy kind of attractive little... I mean, that's where my ginger problem started, because... Cool. I was, I
3: was Forget the sex scene. I was all about the pre-sex scene. When he's in the bathroom getting ready for the other girl, oh, doing his like comedy. comedy, he's doing the lunges, like, you know, out putting his arms up against the um, bathtub to try to like, make sure he can do it. Or like, even, you know, the lines he has when he's talking about 92% of women, like these, like his lines, I know you said you, you guys didn't necessarily love, the jokes and they didn't land. Every comment that Kenny Fisher has makes me crack up. I everything is quotable.
2: I mean, like when we're talking the, um, when William talking about uh, how Mike Dexter beamed him in the eye with a raisin, he goes, my parents took me to a 3D film festival. I saw no third dimension. Is <laughs> <laughs> line after line. I have no legs. I can't feel my legs. Amanda. Like, the beer has gone bad. No one drank the beer. I mean, every... There's two Smash Mouth songs, you guys. <laughs> there's nothing wrong
3: with this movie. I mean, the guy, the klepto guy who steals everything, including the frickin', um, the you gu- know... The gumball the, machine. The, no, the police car. That's the best part. Oh, car. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Police come to, like, you know, end the movie, end the, the party, and he steals the police car and doesn't get arrested.
0: All right, listen, uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask Brian for his take here just because I want to give you guys a chance to calm down your froth at all of our anger.
3: We do have have dislikes in case you want us to be fair and balanced. No,
0: I don't need fair and balanced. That's not what this is. Yeah, this is doesn't this is not Fox News. We're not going to be fair and balanced here. Um, What this is going to be, what this is going to be is it's about your take on it. So as I uh pontificate here a little bit with brian put together what you think is your final word and you're each going to get it but brian your
1: response uh to the uh
0: verbal ass kicking we've just taken here
1: (laughs) well not to make it seem like i'm conceding defeat here but i i don't really have a response because i mean they bring up really good points and and this is why i wanted to do this because you know like there's definitely things that you know like biases that i'm coming into this movie with obviously like we all bring our own biases whenever we watch these things and yeah no i mean like i i honestly like wouldn't have like mined some of these points on my own so it's like it's kind of interesting to think about like the movie as an exploration of identity and you know um and uh, some of the like more deeper character moments i kind of like wish like yeah i think i brought this up where like there's definitely things about this movie i wish they would have expanded on like i w- wanted a little bit more of um and maybe that's where i i am sometimes like maybe knocking the movie down the peg is because like it's not fulfilling my expectations and wishes of what i want it to be um because i feel like yeah like maybe my like level of like what i like uh what i the level i want it to be is it's not it uh in the way that I watched it, but no, they bring up some really good points. All
0: right, well, I yeah, I, I agree. I think this is why we did it. Um, I didn't want it to be something where like, you were wrong for this reason. I wanted it to be more <laughs> the things that you brought up, which were things I honestly did not consider, or at the very least, did not consider with the uh, the the gravity that you are presenting them, which I think is good. So uh, while we definitely could do an easy, I don't know, cool three hours more on this. We could slide. You
3: know ra- when you want to do that episode because <laughs> we'll be here.
1: <laughs> we are, we can The, the, the director's cut, you know, yeah. Yeah. two and a half hour director's cut. Exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, call me Zack Snyder. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah well again we'll probably once we set up a Patreon we'll put that on there um, <laughs> people because I know that people want to pay for that uh, let's get as we wrap up here your each of your and whoever wants to go first it's uh, sort of up to you uh, who your your takeaway whether it's just a thing you want to say about the movie that you haven't said a thing that we missed a thing that you disliked a like. it can be anything but your final thing uh, on the movie that you haven't really talked about yet yeah
3: <laughs> Who, Casey? You want to go first? I'm still. Yeah. I'm
2: debating. I it. My only caveat for this film that always annoyed me was just that William gets drunk very quickly off of like what we can only assume is a half a beer. So that's my <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: only.
2: <laughs> I can fucking drink. So I was, was like, yeah, he is like half my size, and it was his first drink, but that was the only annoyance. But in general. I can see where Brian, you know, he wanted more because they do try to stuff a lot in there. It's, you usually have an A, a B, a C plot, maybe for a film. This goes down to like a G, H plot line. There's just so many different things going on. So it would have been, it would have been interesting to see how they could make it breathe a little more. But at the end of the day, everybody adds to this film nobody takes away so you have these one-liners i mean the girl throwing the party literally has that's her character's name and she if you if you like that is a stellar performance for something that you should not have any kind of like memory of her but even the chick that's like goes up to denise and is like weren't you in my language lab and she's like pay up she did go to school with us i mean Every single one line character, it goes makes it just a better, more padded out film, and you get a really like I just remember this is exactly what I remember of high school parties. These were the high school parties that I attended. I saw this movie in middle school, so I was just waiting like those three years to make sure I could get to these high school parties. And then they're honestly, the greatest time of my life. So I peaked at
3: 17 and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That movie makes you want to go to a high school party. If it, if it doesn't, then there's something wrong with you.
0: Yeah. As an adult, it especially makes you want to go to a high school.
3: Party. <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't going to get arrested for giving alcohol to minors. I'd love to go to a high school party.
0: <laughs> All right, Michelle floor is yours. Final take. Um, what do you got?
3: All right, so quickly, I do want to address the fact that I have a dislike, which is the cousin in general. I think you guys mentioned you don't like his shirt, but I just don't like the whole him pursuing her. I think it could have been something less creepy. I'm not a fan of suggested incest, call me crazy, but like, I think they could have done something else there as the plot line as to why she runs out. But that's my only real negative of the movie. But the way, the one thing I also wanted to highlight that I think you guys missed, which will be my last comment, is, um, you know, this movie is quintessential 90s. You have it from Kenny's Jenko jeans. You have it with the outfit that, um, you know, Amanda's wearing at the end, the Ferrucci, uh, Angel t shirt that was huge back for girls in the day. Like everyone wanted to wear that shirt. And even just the references, you have the whole scene where they're talking about Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow. Thank and Michelle. That deserves some award in pop culture because, I mean, they were the, the couple then. They, that's like seven couples ago from Brad Pitt and Gwyneth. But, like, just the comparison of he's a Brad and you're a Gwen and then when she leaves, they're like, she's not really a Gwen. Like, that whole scene was so great and so perfect of that time frame. It's a time capsule of that time frame.
2: Correct. Accurate. 100%. Put a bow on it. Everybody wins except for Brian. Oof.
1: That was a uh, that was a rough one for me, huh?
0: Yeah, I would say that's an official L for uh, Brian. You, um, in yeah. fairness, I, I I think I came out with the uh, the overtime loss uh, to to, <laughs> to take a little hockey parlance. It wasn't like I came out as a as a, a, a regulation W here. It Certainly wasn't a win for me either. But uh, they weren't happy with you from Jump Street. Uh, it didn't. No, seem...
1: definitely not. <laughs> uh, and 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 with re- with good reason though. I've heard from multiple people at this point about my. Uh, my takes on Can't Hardly Wait, so it's not
0: just them. <laughs> it's funny that, because now that I'm thinking about this last week when we recorded um, uh, the, the There's Something About Mary, you said to me, you know, what are your sort of big impressions of the movies that we watched and did you have any like new takeaways from the, these 10? And what I should have said at the time in that episode was I forgot how much I hated your take on "Can't Hardly Wait" and how wrong you were. I, I it, it just like I, it, I have a, a blind spot there, some sort of uh, you know, just, just completely. As soon as you said it, it went right out of my head. Uh, yeah, but this uh, doing this with them reminded me of uh, how much I hated that take of
1: yours. Yeah. Mm. Um. But on the positive side, uh, I did really appreciate uh, you know, some of the points that they brought up. Um. Yeah, a lot of stuff that, like, I just, like, wouldn't have, like, plucked out on my own.
0: Yeah, how so. about the whole thing with the shower shoes? Right? Like, uh, going... To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Unbelievable!
1: Cause, yeah, cause <laughs> definitely, like, yeah, uh, I certainly did that. Like, that was where I learned that, too. So, yeah, yeah. And, and and the funny thing about and that's why
0: this was a fun exercise, right? And we're going to do this again in the next season, hopefully with even more people. And if Casey and Michelle want to get back into it, we'll have them on again. But it's one of those things where, like, I've seen this movie, you've seen this movie how many thousands of times, right? We've seen it forever. Mm-hmm. And I would have never thought of that uh, part. So anyway, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, it's the Casey and Michelle show. It is a, um, a pop culture podcast uh, that's available everywhere podcasts uh, can be found. So go and check uh, it out. Yeah, sure.
1: I might actually check it out. I, uh, I, I'd i be interested to hear their Army Hammer takes. Oh, they certainly have some. And I, and I will say this again. This is how ignorant I
0: am. Of this stuff, I just don't know anything about it. Frankly, it would be like if you and I hosted a, you know, a Blue Jays middle infielders podcast from the nineties, right? Like, I, I we, you and I could probably do that. You know what I mean? Like, can you believe? Like, uh, you know, Roberto Alomar was so fascinating, yeah. like that kind of stuff. But um, Tony Fernandez, but but um, I, with this, like as an example, I did not know. That uh, Army Hammer was related to Armand Hammer, and that Armand Hammer and that whole family mm. was one thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. I mean, his yeah. name is basically <laughs> yep. Armand Hammer, but I uh, yep. I just, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. So, again, I've learned some obvious things that I'm sure if they're listening to this episode to this length, they're like, this is why we hate him, because how, how did he not, <laughs> how can he be an adult and be this ignorant? Uh, but I've learned a lot, and also they've made me laugh. So, yeah, it's a good podcast, and I would definitely check it out. Anyway, Uh, this actually is the final episode. I know I said that last time, but this actually is the final episode of quote-unquote season one. For Brian Yu, I am Scott Spinelli. We will check you out next time, folks.